Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. When disaster strikes, a community's hospital is an important part of the emergency response for that community, along with police, fire, and ambulance service, and local government. To help us understand how Upstate University Hospital is prepared, I'm talking with Chris Dunham. He's the Director of Emergency Management at Upstate. Welcome back to The Informed Patient, Mr. Dunham. Thanks for having me, Amber. Now, Upstate has a Director of Emergency Management. Do all hospitals of any size have someone who oversees disaster preparedness? Yeah, um, it's actually mandated through a lot of our regulatory functions. Most smaller hospitals have sort of a dual role. In other words, uh, the disaster management is applied to somebody who is a uh, doing other duties. Um, Upstate's very uh, fortunate. We have not only myself, but one other person who this is our full-time job. Well, we've seen hospitals in the U.S. that have been hit by tornadoes, hurricanes, blizzards, all relatively recently, we've seen them flood. So we know they're not invincible to natural disasters. What do hospitals like Upstate have to do to ensure that they're prepared for anything? A lot of it, from my perspective, comes back to training. Um, You know, we spend a lot of times creating these plans and procedures of what to do when certain things happen. We spend years sometimes working on these plans and ultimately You know, they're very, I think, well-written, but if the frontline staff does not know what to do or or how to apply the plan, realistically, the plan doesn't work. One thing about Upstate is we're always growing, expanding, changing. Um, The plans consistently update along with them. Uh, It is a yearly process where we go through everything every year to kind of go, okay, what's changed? What's the best practice that we need to include? Um, even new technology in the hospital will sometimes change our plan. So do you and your staff determine the types of things that the institution needs to prepare for, or is it that the preparation's the same no matter what it is? That's actually kind of a twofold thing. So we have an emergency preparedness committee, and there's about 40 different people on it from various walks of life at Upstate or experience, both clinical and non-clinical. So it is not merely just me and my staff deciding what's important. We actually pull together everybody and do what's called a hazard vulnerability analysis. So it is a prescripted kind of spreadsheet that hospitals use across the country. And we plug different events in. And it's based off of not only what we've prepared for in the past, it takes into account what we've had happen to us recently. And also, too, certain geography plays into it. So in other words, if we were in the West Coast, earthquakes would certainly be higher than it is right now, where if we were in Florida, it'd be hurricanes. Now, we do get hurricanes up here, but usually we're on the tail end of things and it's more heavy, heavy rain, storms, things like that, where our HVA has a lot more emphasis on, let's say, snowstorms or blizzards than, let's say, somebody in Florida. Our relative... uh, you know, distance to a major airport, um, you know, how like, like places like the dome, places like the, um, the amp, uh, at, uh, St. Joe's out in, um, Onondaga Lake. Realistically, 
we go through this every year because obviously it changes. It takes also into consideration vulnerable populations. So folks who are medically dependent at home, either on oxygen or some sort of electricity powered device, that's stuff we need to take care of or, or think, how, how do we provide? What can you tell us about the storm-ready university designation? Upstate was the fourth in the New York State area to receive this designation. Realistically, it's a partnership and a certification through the National Weather Service. They come out and audit all of our plans, our weather preparedness, and how we would react to storms. What's really great about it is, is it's designed for universities, which obviously SUNY Upstate is one, but you also see counties that are starting to get that sort of designation as well. As a result of that, we have a really good relationship with the National Weather Service in Binghamton, where we participate in um, conference calls and things like that. So the winter storm we had just before Christmas, we actually ramped up and were part of the conference calls from the National Weather Service, where we knew really before the local news did what was going on, how it was going to play out, what they thought would happen. Um, and we can plan accordingly and, and more importantly, communicate to other decision makers at Upstate. Now, you organize and participate in drills throughout the year so that staff practice for the real thing. Can you tell us about some of those? Sure. We actually have a couple different layers of that. So we have some layers of I like to call surprise drills for frontline staff where myself or my staff will show up in a department and say, hey, congratulations, this just happened. What are we doing? Those are, are done a few times up throughout the year. Also, we have a pretty significant training program for our mid-level managers who are our primary incident commanders. They're called our administrators on call. And they are required to actually show up to about four or so what I call tabletop exercises. So we'll gather, be it virtually or in person, and I'll put a problem on the whiteboard and we'll just kind of noodle through how we, how we respond to something like that. Something, you know, as an example, you know, we can... Uh, simulate or talk through losing water in the hospital or losing electricity for a significant amount of time, or, hey, we have a blizzard coming. What are, we, what are some things we want to talk about? That has been hugely successful, especially with our newer folks, to really get them used to all the resources and plans that we already have in place. So they don't feel like in the moment they're recreating the wheel and it helps them. And also too, we do full-scale exercises. This past fall, we did a full-scale decontamination exercise at our community campus for like a hazardous materials response, where we had to actually wash patients, do some triage, and also integrate with the community as well. Now, University Hospital is part of the Upstate Medical University campus. So mm -hmm. in addition to the clinical care, there's also research and academics are the people involved in those sections of Upstate involved in disaster planning too? Yeah, absolutely. There's actually a large research component on the academic side of things, especially with, let's say, our student population is very involved. Um, it, it, an example of this that, that really worked very well for us was the COVID response because it was obviously organization-wide. And we were able to integrate the academic, the student life, and also the research side of things, which was impacted. And that was coordinated under one umbrella via the incident command process. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that. Let me remind listeners, this is Upstate's The Informed Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith. 
and I'm talking with Chris Dunham, the Director of Emergency Management at Upstate. In central New York, in winter, we always have the potential for a major snow event that impacts travel, electricity, whatever. What does the hospital do to be ready for this? You already mentioned the National Weather Service that you're connected with, so you're paying close attention to the weather reports, but what else goes on? If we see that, uh, if we get a weather report or we get an inclination that it will be a more than average winter storm in, in the Central New York area, because we're also kind of used to winter weather, you know, certainly every time three inches of snow hits the ground, we don't do this. But if it, we're talking 12 to 18 in a 24 hour period, that's significant for us. So what we do is we kind of, uh, try to do, uh, maybe warn our workforce in other words to have them be prepared themselves also we try to ramp up not only have enough supplies on hand stuff like food extra food extra pharmaceuticals and extra supplies for uh, you know our our normal workload we would have that stuff on hand before the storm hits because we don't want the storm to hit and then run out that's the worst case scenario also the hospital can uh, in a large part, run on generators, and we have a number of those throughout the facility, and we make sure all the, the tanks are topped off and they can run for the maximum amount of time. We also staff up our grounds folks to do plowing and snow blowing and things like that. One of the important things, too, to remember about SUNY Upstate is, is we cannot put a closed sign on the front door. We always must remain open. So that is really sort of the basic tenant of every preparedness piece we do. We either need to uh, figure out how we can keep what we have open or alternate or move stuff or be flexible in terms of how we approach a winter storm. But we've, we've been through a couple of pretty significant weather events, even in my tenure. I've been in upstate almost 12 years and we kind of turn into a hotel upstate for our staff. Certainly, you know, if folks can't get home, they stay with us. We set up cots and sleeping areas and provide food for our staff and make sure they're okay. Also too, you know, we make sure we have enough staff for the duration of the storm is impact because the assumption is, is staff that need to come in, won't be able to come in and staff that's already there might not be able to get home. So trying to provide a safe environment for, for not only staff, but patients as well. What have you heard from your colleagues in Buffalo about the impact of the recent blizzard? I think the airport was shut down for five days. What what was yep. the impact on hospitals there? Significant. The anecdotal stuff that I've heard is it was pretty much, you know, shelter in place as a as a term. They did have enough supplies. Obviously, the state activated its own incident command processes and helped the hospitals out in terms of snow removal and things like that. But that is probably a once in a hundred year event, thankfully. Really, once the storm hits, you can't do anything. You you should have already done everything you needed to, to kind of hunker down. Problem is, is usually with a hospital, you know, critical people come to you somehow and you've got to kind of work through that. I'm just thankful it, it, it wasn't Syracuse. I mean, that snowfall was amazing. Absolutely amazing. What do you do to prepare for an emergency like a, a plane crash where there are many victims coming all at once. We actually train for this pretty extensively. So we train for not only the plane crashes or the bus crashes, we call it mass casualty events. So 
these mass casualty events, we not only have special resources we could push down to our emergency departments, but also we practice a mass notification of our staff to do a, a, a quick recall of physicians, nurses, other critical patient care folks. We do this realistically at least twice a year because as hospitals, sort of the level one trauma center, we're, we're, we're pretty much going to get one if one happens. And we've had some in recent memory that have gone pretty well, where we've had upwards of 20 patients coming to us at once from one particular incident. The thing about Upstate is, is we're always busy. We always have a lot of patients and, and how we flex up to the incoming patient number is usually a, a, a incident command event. It takes a lot of resources and, and coordination to do so. You mentioned incident command earlier, and for the past three years with the pandemic, that was in place for many weeks or months at a time. Can you explain what it is and how it works? So the incident command is merely a process. It was developed in the 1970s as a response to the wildfires out west. So they would have these wildfires that would not pay attention to political or geographic boundaries, and it would go across large areas. What they found is, is there was a lack of coordination and command and control, much less communications in terms of County A would fight the fire one way, County B would fight the fire another way, and they rarely would talk. So by using the incident command process, there's a couple of fundamental tenets. In other words, it's everybody uses the same terminology uh, for certain things. And there's a heightened awareness to, uh, you know, plain language communications, activation, uh, demobilization once it's over. Hospitals actually really started using this after 9-11. Katrina certainly pushed it to the forefront, and we continue to use it. Upstate's been using it uh, really pre-9-11. And it is a title and a way of we can organize to sort of cut out a lot of the normal business processes, make quick decisions, move resources very quickly. Um, you know, Instant Command sort of helps identify problems a little quicker and also provide resources without going through the normal chain of command and things like that. So it, it, it's able to respond a lot, lot faster than normal operations would. Have you learned anything about emergency planning on the job that you've brought back to your personal life? Yeah, a lot of fundamental emergency preparedness stuff for, for me really comes down to, you know, folks should have a plan. They should understand and watch the environment around them, whether it be weather or traffic closures or, or whatever. Um, you know, you can't be prepared for everything, but, you know, communication is key important. Have folks that you can call in an emergency to either let them know you're okay or if you need some things. And also, too, have a heightened awareness for what's going on. If, if your local fire department says, you know, our residents need to do this, then you should do it. Realistically, you know, folks uh, watch the news or have information come in online. They should definitely follow or pay attention to their local county's emergency preparedness program. They're very good at putting out information, let's say in a winter storm or any sort of emergency. And they're a great source of information. Along those lines, how would you advise people maybe who are new to central New York to prepare their homes so that they're ready for a disaster? Are there items that they should keep stocked? I think, you know, some canned goods. Certainly, it depends on how far you really want to go. Have about three days worth of food on hand. 
Make sure all your medications are refilled. You don't want to run out at the middle of a blizzard. You could also make sure um, you have enough winter clothing. And I say that, you know, like uh, we, we've had a number of folks new to upstate come from the southern part of the country. And invariably, they'll be like, hey, how bad is the winter here? And, and when I explain it to them and kind of give them sort of the, the average numbers, you know, oh, wow, I need to get a better vehicle maybe or, or at least get a better winter coat. I mean, you know, as Central New Yorkers, we kind of wear the weather as a as a badge of pride of like, oh, yeah, I've been through this. And that is okay. But sometimes there are people out there that sort of disregard things of, well, it's only you know, 12 inches of snow, I can, I can drive to the supermarket and things like that. And yeah, and that speaks to getting to know your environment, getting to know the people who would be able to tell you, Hey, now it's not a great time to be on the road or, Hey, you know, you should be hunkered down kind of thing. So that kind of gets back to the listening to the local emergency managers or lo the local police or fire or what have you. Are you one who advocates having a to-go bag packed? Yeah. I think that's a good thing to have sometimes, depending on where you live. I think that the reasons for using a to-go bag during a mandatory evacuation, I think are pretty blessedly low in central New York. In other words, the reasons that would happen would be pretty, uh, pretty unique. But having a to-go bag in terms of copies of important paperwork or clothing and things like that, especially if you have children, might be an extra toy or two thrown in the bag to keep them occupied. I think it would be a good thing. People typically struggle with maybe an extra phone charger or things like that. You can even get like a, a you know, the I say old, but the transistor radios that are battery powered, they still sell those. Those could be quite useful in an emergency, things like that. There are, are to-go bags for sale. You can buy one on any online retailer. It depends on how far you, you feel comfortable going with that. But having the bare minimums would be important. Well, this has been very informative, and I thank you for making time for this interview, Mr. Dunham. Oh, thanks for having me. My guest has been Chris Dunham. He's Upstate's Director of Emergency Management. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine, brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu slash informed. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.